Today we are covering LEGOCON 2021 and what some would consider the online failure that ensued. I will give you my thoughts and the highlights and some of the things that got me super excited. And then we sit down with Jeff Sanders, the man behind the wildly successful and well-known TikTok page, Brick Bending. Welcome to the Brick Talk Lego Podcast. I'm Mo, your host, and this is the place where you can find all things Lego. Mark my words, you heard it here first. We are getting Harry Potter modulars. Look, look, I'm sorry. I know people love it, but I thought it was a garbage set. Lego took a huge risk here and it paid off massively. So tune in, buckle up, and let's start building. This has been an incredible week. I am so excited. I started a couple of the followers on the TikTok page had asked me if I had ever considered gaming. And so we sat down and we decided to try a couple games. And I have gotten absolutely hooked on uh, Sea of Thieves, Apex Legends, and PUBG. Those three have got me absolutely riled up. So real quick, I want to start this episode off with a shout out to... My boy Will, Louie, Crystal, Ziggy, Jay, and Ben. You guys are absolutely amazing. It has been so much fun gaming with you through this week. Okay, let's talk about LEGOCon 2021. Here's what I want to preface with. The typical response from the LEGO influencers out there right now has been really negative. And honestly, I want to put that into the spotlight. There's been a huge lack of grace for... Uh, this company that we know and love. This was their very first online convention. They were held to this standard that probably did not exceed their own expectations because of the pandemic. And honestly, I'm just a little bit disheartened at all of the negative response. I saw someone who claims to be a Lego fan put up something with the Lego Con logo That's that they wrote conned on the end like lego had done some huge disservice to us by providing this event like they had lied somehow or whatever the backlash has been huge we even have creators going out and saying that they didn't know their audience they didn't aim it at the right audience just because that audience wasn't us which i i just it's frustrating we have as a falls we have lug groups we have a ton of conventions we have all sorts of things this was very clearly aimed at children and new a falls and that's okay that is what their marketing team and their community involvement team decided was what was going to be best for them and i'm fine with now the the production itself had some issues it cut a couple of times, and then at one point, I think it went down for about 15 minutes. Again, this is the first time they tried something like this. Not only that, it wasn't all in one place. They had they had crews from all over who there was a million and a half moving parts, and Lego is not a production company. 
And you know what? I give them a pass for their first event. One, I want to commend Lego for not just saying, no, we're not gonna do this because of COVID. You could tell that this was an event that they had set up probably five years ago. We wanna do a convention as they see the, the Comic-Con convention stuff rising. We wanna do it right. They probably threw it on a calendar date and then moved it a bunch of times and then finally said, no, we're gonna make this happen. And then when they made it happen, they had to do it inside of the constraints of the pandemic. And I don't fault them. I am extremely grateful for what they put on for us. Now I had my downfalls there. I was shocked by some things, especially the big Star Wars announcement. I was underwhelmed in that, but I appreciate what they did for us as fans. So I'm gonna go through my, my notes from the event. The first thing is that, one, I just want to thank them for doing the event. Two, I really liked the attempt to get everyone on board to make a six by six art piece using the red dot. I could see that as a dots marketing campaign and that, you know what, honestly, that's fine. But I really enjoyed the mosaic that they started to make with everyone sending in their images. The other thing that I really enjoyed about it was the walkthrough of the Lego house. I thought that was really cool getting to see all the dinosaurs. I loved seeing the uh, T-Rex the screaming because he stepped on a Lego. That whole thing was just really cool. It was also really nice to talk to designers and people behind the ideas team. It was cool to get to see the, the Discovery and all of the new NASA stuff. I really enjoyed all of that. My biggest underwhelming moment was when they released the, they announced the Moff Gideon Cruiser. This was something that we had known was coming for a long time. And the way they had built it, they even released official images in a Chinese catalog, which really confused me. But that being said, it is gonna be an awesome set. I love the swoosh ability. I thought that was really cool. My standout, my standout moment of the show was getting to see the trailer, if you will, for Builder's Journey, which is this new, as I gather it, it's a mobile app or mobile game that just looked incredibly stunning. They didn't give us a lot of information on it, so I can't give you much information other than it looks like a story-driven game where you go around and build yourself out of problems. So it's a problem-solving story game. I, I think it looks incredible. If this is a glimpse at what the future of the gaming side of LEGO looks like, I am super excited. Now, a lot of people wanted info on the Star Wars The Complete Saga, and we didn't get any of that. Take that with a grain of salt. That's not in LEGO's hands. That's in the, the game manufacturer's hands. So all in all, I thought LEGOCon was a rocky start but I think we will all look back at these humble beginnings and see, see the potential for what is coming down the road. I cannot wait to see what a in-person LEGO Con is going to be like. Okay guys, let's talk about my new friend, Jeff Sanders. Jeff has a TikTok page that is aptly called brick bending, where he assembles various illegal build techniques to use Lego bricks and plates to form the most incredible art I have ever seen. In fact, I would even go as far as to say he is my favorite artist. 
Uh, a bunch of his videos have over 11, 12 million views. He currently stands up 553,000 followers and 11 million likes. He calls himself a geometric Lego artist. And we had the pleasure of getting to sit down with Jeff. And here is that in Jeff, so nice to have you on. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm very good. How are you? I'm doing amazing, man. Thanks for asking. So brick bending, how did this take off? How did this get started? It's a long story. Showing up on TikTok has been the last few months, but I've been yeah. doing this for a long while. So the short version of a long story is that when my kids, who are now, they're older teenagers, when they were little, I have two girls and I had played a lot of Polly Pockets and I had played a lot, <laughs> a lot of My Little Ponies and I'm really good at that, they're fun. But then I was like, I'm gonna get a toy that I remember liking as a kid yeah. to play with you. So Lego was just, that's one of the things I did when I was a kid that I loved. And so we bought a couple of sets over you know, the years and I would play and we would build stuff. And it was just so happened that we were just, I'm guessing it's hard to like, and the story gets better and better. It's the fish story, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. I'm, I'm guessing that we were building a corral for the horses or something. And we were fishing out all the little one by twos in the set. And I just saw that they had some play in them. We put them all together and that just caught my imagination. That's and awesome. so we dug through the whole pile until we got every single one and we had enough to make one full circle. And my mind was just blown because I had, who knows how many hours I spent as a kid playing with, with Lego bricks, uh, but I'd never built a circle. And that's just, it's what happens to people when they see my TikToks or my Instagram reels. They're just like, what, what? And, but once I figured that out, then I was like, what else can I do? Because this is just the tip of the iceberg. When I got online and I was digging around trying to find other people who did that. And I, at first I couldn't find anyone. I'm certainly not the first person to ever do it. There are other people who sure. beat me to that year, by years, but I think it's clear that I'm the most obsessive compulsive about it like it is the thing <laughs> that brings me joy so trekked off to we have a local lego store here in portland oregon and i went and bought a thousand one by twos and just started building circles and intersecting circles and at the time i didn't really understand what i was venturing into but i had quietly discovered the visual artist in me and it took me years to really even self-apply that term. Oh no, I'm not an artist. Yeah. I could just make cool things that I like to look at and I stick on a wall. And then after like five or six years, I'm like, okay, this is what I do. So Let me affirm you, all of my followers and myself consider you probably one of the most amazing Lego artists out there. So you are for sure an artist, my friend. Thank you. Uh, so when, when did you join TikTok and how did it take off? Because you've got a massive following now on TikTok and you haven't been on very long, right? Yeah, I just after the beginning of the year, my, my daughters are 16 and 19 and I've heard them talk about TikTok and I'm 46. So <laughs> I was just like, yeah, that's what the young people do. That's alien territory. I'm not going there. But I had, it was probably maybe middle of last year during the pandemic and quarantine where I went, I'm going to try to revive my YouTube presence. I had done a, a Kickstarter project in 2011 and I created a bunch of videos about how I do what I do. And that was cool. And I, and part of the project was stick them all on YouTube. And then I just left them there for seven or eight years and I lived my life working my job and take care of my kids. And so it was last year that I spun back the idea of my YouTube channel and I was just creating some content and winging it. And that's when one of my daughters pointed out that maybe you should try TikTok. So I got the app and I just experimented a little bit, threw a few things out there and then 
I just put a, I put some six or seven seconds. I think it's still on there. It's a little yellow uh, star-like thing that flexes. Yeah. And I put it out there and I got like 40,000 views. And I showed that to my daughter. I'm like, is that good? And she's like, that's great. So then I just kept sticking things out there and not really understanding what I was doing. And it was about mid-February, just on a lark. I was like, well, I'll just put the classic circle out there. I've done a circle a million times. I've put it on YouTube three or four different times. <laughs> I, have, I have hundreds of circles. They're like piles of circles. So I just threw that one circle on there and it got a million views within a couple of days. And you know what this is, that number's so big. It's just yeah. insane. You're just like, what? Yeah. And so it was about mid-February, things started to take off. And I like to think that I've got progressively better at how to create the contents and upgraded my equipment to some degree. And now I'm just having a blast. Like it's so much fun. And what I love about your channel is that you have the most incredible continuity from video to video. Your style is very much your style. Every video you can tell your branding is perfect. When someone, I always know, when someone tags me in a video that's all white and like a, a, a title up top and title on bottom, I know exactly what I'm getting into. And yeah, I, I absolutely enjoy watching your content because you really see yourself shine through that. So that, that's really cool. Let's put Lego on pause. We'll get back to Lego. Everyone wants to talk about Lego, but I wanna know who's Jeff. So tell me about yourself right now. Oh gosh, I am, I'm a man of many qualities. One of the things about me is that I am, I'm restless, right? I am always wanting to do something new and that's a driving force in my life. And then my life has come through different phases where in my twenties, I had a dream of being a writer been a bunch of time writing and, and I've written a couple plays and that didn't really work out in terms of supporting my family. So I had moved on from that. And then I went back to school and I'm like, I'm, let's go back and do something that I was good at back in the day. So I went back to school in math and I started over from scratch and got into grad school for math education. I was teaching math classes and, and I was enjoying that it was great. But then I got a job offer to work in software. So I left all that behind and then I went into the software industry and I've been doing that for 14 years now. And during the course of doing software and raising my kids, that's when I discovered Lego and that came into my life. So I, there's not one thing that I've ever stuck to. I'm always looking for the next new cool thing. And I think that's part of why I love what I do because the endless supply of things to explore. So I think that's a quintessential part of who I am. I am an explorer of the new. I love that. Do you recall your first Lego set? Oh, I mean, no. And that is because I come from a very big family and I've got older brothers. And so there was always just a box of bricks. And I definitely, the space sets from the eighties are the, the ones that I, I know I got at least a couple of those. And, but for the most part, I spent my childhood chasing after the creations of my older brothers that were infinitely better than what I could build. And I think that's also part of baked into how I approach Lego. It's just this constant like chip on my shoulder. I gotta do something better than, than my big brother. So there's two sides of the, the Lego community, right? Illegal builds are bad, evil, should never be done. And illegal builds are how you explode out of the box. You are very clearly on one side. But let me ask you, have you had run-ins? I know from a comment on my previous video, I know the answer, but tell me about some of those run-ins with the other side, the people who think that that brick bending is bad. It's funny because I've been doing this for about 10 years. And for the first 
probably nine, nine and a half of those years, I never experienced any negative pushback. And part of that is, is that you know, it's a very narrow set of people that I'm dealing with. And in the more of the art world, it's nothing but positives. So it was really TikTok where I got a, my first real taste of the Lego purists out there. And it's so funny because I am the least controversial person. Like my <laughs> personality is peacemaker, facilitator. That's what I do. Sure. I find myself at the center of this absolutely benign controversy is hilarious and entertaining. And I have got a huge kick out of it. <laughs> I love it, man. That's so funny. It, it reminds me of, I used to be a big Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan, largely because I grew up in Utah and there are no professional football teams there. So I had to pick somebody. And of course I picked the biggest underdog in the history of sports. Not anymore. But back in the day, they had a player named Warren Sapp, who was defensive tackle. And his he just loved to be the bad guy. And he would stand in the stadiums and the opposing teams and just bask in the glory of their booze and but it was all fun ultimately and i have picked up a little of that where i'm like at the end of the day it's the beautiful toy that we all get to play with and it's an amazing thing and, and i totally appreciate that people really they are never going to do this it, it breaks their heart and their the bricks are precious to them and i totally <laughs> appreciate that but from my perspective i this is what i do and i absolutely love it and I think Jeff part of Sanders it, is the Warren Sapp of the Lego community. <laughs> I love that. That's going to be the title. I'll, I'll of take this that. Podcast. I'll take that. I love that. So that's exciting. So I want to know what is your process? How do you go from concept in your head to art in a show? Oh, that's a great question. There's not one process, but there is predominant process. And part of it is that, and this is very well, right? Lego's scarce, it is expensive, right? And so if I dream up what I wanna make, then it's a lot more, it's harder to get the bricks, it's expensive to, to purchase them. And so just out of necessity, I've developed this process where I will hit the Lego store in Portland here every you know, few months and I just see what's on the wall and I'll buy a bunch. I see if it's a strange about, You're talking about the, the pick a brick wall? Yes, the pick a brick wall. More often than not, when I find a strange brick that I've never used before and I buy it, it ends up on a shelf for a year, two years. And then just out of nowhere, just because of boredom, I'm, I'm out of bricks and I don't know what to build. And so I just grab these strange ones down and I start playing with them. And then something crazy comes out of it. And that's really what I'm looking for. Like my primary process is get a pile of bricks, usually all the same kind, put them in on the table in front of me and just start to play with them until something I've never seen comes out of it. And nine times out of 10, that thing that I've never seen is not interesting. So it just goes back in the bin. Sure. But every now and then something pops out of that just exploration and play that catches my imagination. And then it starts to unfold. So I, I think it's, most of what I do is at the end of the day, profoundly simple. One brick iterated a thousand times, but it's that iteration that just creates something that is utterly unlike anything you would typically see in bricks. And sometimes I feel like I'm, I'm a miner, whether I'm a Bitcoin miner or a gold miner, I'm out there mining for some unique, crazy combination that just totally. makes me delighted. And that's usually how I go about things. What is the most useful part that you include the most in your builds uh, one by twos one by two i know right. i knew that from asking <laughs> just because i've seen all of your stuff and and that one by two comes up so frequently it is the secret ingredient in anything that's curved in a classic way and it whether it's a big crazy a build that's full of two by eight bricks if there's a curve in it the one by twos are what creates that definitely though the any of the plates 
any like the one by four plate, the one by six plate, one of the big crazy thing behind me, the big hexagonal thing, that's all just plates. And when you get the longer plates, really? yeah, the longer plates let you hinge at a point. And so bricks, I started with a lot of bricks early on, but now like almost everything I do is in plates just because there's so many more things you can do with it. Sure. And that naturally, I feel like the plates probably have a little bit more give than the bricks, right? Yeah. I saw a piece of your work that was absolutely incredible, but it, it, it was the one that was curved. It looks kind of like a motorcycle tire. It's all black and it, it's got the curved slopes. But I notice you don't use a ton of tiles or slopes. Is that by design or is that by necessity? I use tile in very specific circumstances. And I actually, I really like tile. I love that look, that kind of just, when the studs go away, it really obfuscates what you have, especially with my work. If I put the outer layer was all tile, you literally would have no idea that it's made out of Lego. And I've actually found that does me a disservice, right? Like over the years, when I'm outside of the Lego community, most people have no idea what medium I use. And like one of, one of my favorite stories is I did a big art festival in, in the Middle East, in the United Arab Emirates. Yeah, and I, oh, what was it? What? It was the Sharjah Islamic Art Festival. Yeah, I, I actually, I went in studying for this interview. I went back and I, I looked at all of that. And that was absolutely incredible. I, it was a life-changing experience. It was just shockingly amazing. That's cool. Um, but part of the, what was part of what was magical about that is I would meet these other artists and they would walk by my exhibit, my build, and they'd look at it and go, oh, that's cool, yeah, nice, nice to meet you, and walk off. <laughs> and then the next day, they'd come running up to me and, oh my gosh, I just went and looked at your piece and it's made out of Lego. And I'm <laughs> yeah. like, from a distance, it looks like I just got a CNC router or some kind of yeah. laser etcher and I cut out a piece of acrylic and that would be interesting. But no, like this is constructed out of a children's toy that that it's not designed to do this. And then, and of course, like their eyes would light up. They played with Lego as a kid. So it's literally the world's favorite medium. It's just, it's universal in a, it, you, you think about it, yeah, it's totally universal, but then you end up in the Middle East with artists from around the world and they all love, it's absolutely amazing. We're, we're in the middle of, uh, well, I shouldn't say the middle, we're in the beginning stages of working on a documentary about the Lego community. And I had a, a conversation in pitching the documentary with someone and we had talked about other documentaries and there was one about other successful Netflix documentaries specifically. And there was one about cutting meat and, and it was very successful about competition steak cooking. And what the guy said to me, why he was interested in, in getting involved with it was because he said, if you took, we were in a coffee shop and he said, if you took everyone in this coffee shop and asked them if they'd ever been in to competition steak cooking. You would probably maybe one, maybe two at most. If you're in the heart of Texas, maybe two. But if you ask that same group of people if they had ever played with Lego or if Lego was ever a big part of their life, you would get 99.9% .9 who said yes. So it's really interesting how this passion for Lego, when you truly peel back the layers, everyone has all of their own different ways that they like to utilize them 
a medium, but if you peel back all the layers, it is a universal experience. And I think that's so beautiful because we don't have, as a human species, we don't have many universal experiences that are pleasant, right? Like we think about the pandemic, everybody experienced, that's a universal experience that that is ingrained in everyone, but it's not necessarily a positive one. I think everyone at some point felt fear, anxiety, lost their jobs, on and on. But when we come back to Lego, it's, I've never met someone who, who has been like, oh, I hate Lego. They just don't exist. So it's really cool that you're able to capture that in your, in your art. And that's absolutely amazing, my friend. Thank so, you, thank you. So let me ask you this. Do you have a favorite piece? a favorite art piece that you've created not one i've got a couple that are are near and dear to my heart one of them is call it the sunstone and it's made entirely of yellow one by four plates and it's very symmetrical but it's also really intricate and part of the reason why i love it is because when in the early days when i had my kickstarter project and for the first time i had a couple of thousand dollars to buy bricks with so I was at the Lego store like every chance I could get. I was a kid in a candy shop and they have yellow one by fours. And so I bought back in the day when you could buy a box. They don't do that anymore, at least as far as I know. But I was like, hey, can I just have a whole box of them? So they handed one to me. So I have something like 5,000, 6,000 of these one by fours. I have no oh, idea what man. I was going to do with them. And it took me months because I would iterate it and I'd look at it and be like, nah, I don't really like that very much. And I take that layer off and I'd add another layer. And then when it was all said and done, it was just, it just felt complete. It felt finished. It's incredibly mm-hmm. simple in the fact that it's just one kind of brick, just one, yeah. but it's visually stunning to look at. It's just, and less so now, but I'm afraid of color. <laughs> you can see that back here. Like black is just a safe, neutral uh, color to work with, the lack of color. And and I didn't choose, I would have chosen black one by four. Sure. That would have been preference, but the yellow is just beautiful. I really loved it. And so that one particularly has always been special to me. And then there's a second one. I'm terrible. I'm terrible at naming because I create so many things and I can't name them all. So I just use whatever technical name I could think of. Uh, But I have one that I call... I think it's the Heptanalyst 44. Very artistic name from the math guy. I know, I know. I used to ask you know, my kids what I'd name things and they give me wonderful, crazy, imaginative names. And I'm like, nope, it's Heptanalyst 44. But it's basically a series of rings. So it's uh, circles. And then an analyst is the, I think it's the Greek word for ring. And uh, hept is the number of rings. So it's got seven rings. And then 44 is, it's got 44 spokes. So it's just rings and straight lines. But if you flash back to your math days, it's just like the ratio of the circumference of a circle to its diameter is pi. And so if you have the, if your circumference is a hundred Lego stud, then your diameter is going to be something like 30.175 studs. Like you can't do that. And so, so how did you get that to work? It's a trick, a little secret. No, the, the real thing is at the end of the day, whatever build you make, it's, it has a scale. Right. And so I can make a circle that's 150 studs around and that will just so happen to line up with one some fraction of a number. But as you go and look at all the number of studs, you just so happen to land every now and then on one that just works. It's not precise, but it's close enough. And so through a lot of trial and error and a little bit of calculation, I try to stay away from actually doing math whenever I can, because this is this is not a cerebral process. I love that it's fact that it's a visceral kind of uh, feeling process. But once I figured out what the correct ratio was, then it all worked. So it is just this beautiful combination of straight lines and circles that is it's just part of what i love about it is that 
the fact that it works it's baked into the nature of the bricks themselves it's just yeah. it's it is an art and lego all coming together at once so so my dream is to take that build and see how big i could make it one day i'd love to see it 15 feet tall that would be amazing it would be now because okay so here's i'm not a math guy but from my elementary school days because of the spokes it shouldn't matter how big it is correct like you should in theory be able to carry that i i think the the only problem would be that every single ring you're dealing with a ratio and i think that it's not exactly the same so it could be that there's a little bit of error in the small rings yeah. as you add error as you go out it gets sure harder and yeah harder, so. that would be where it failed okay I interesting though because that's an incredible concept i would love to get behind you on that i i think it'd be really cool to find a way to get you out there to, to build something huge maybe for like a children's hospital or something cool like that my yeah. my whole end game what i've been doing this for years is that i want to have have an exhibition like a full-scale Nathan Sawaya-esque exhibition. I don't, people ask me all the time, do you sell your stuff? And I'm like, I'll consider it, but I'd yeah. have to for enough. It's they're hard, they're all one of a kind and the Lego are hard to come by, so they're expensive to replace. And I've actually been in discussions with a couple of different groups about a potential exhibit, which Nathan Sawaya came to town probably in 2012 here in Portland. And they had some extra space at the Children's Museum or the, sorry, the Oregon Museum of Science and History where they had it. And they asked me if to put some of my stuff on display alongside it. And I was like, oh, you're kidding. Yes. And so they hung like 12 or 13 of my smaller pieces at the time. And to see my work professionally hung and lit next to the that amazing set of, of Lego art was, I was hooked. I just got forward. goosebumps and it's not even my work. That's it was so just cool. utterly just joy. Just, I would sneak back in and just watch people walking by and looking at it and, and poking, <laughs> gently poking at things and go, oh, don't blow up, don't blow up. But so time. that was actually my next question was, do you use glue? No. Nothing. I do not. Now I'm not, in theoretically, I'm not against it. So I am against it, right? It's the craggle. It's just my nature not yeah. to want to glue it. But if I needed to, if in order to have a real traveling exhibition, I had to do some gluing, I would do that. But I would avoid it at all costs. Wow. And what's interesting is some, especially the curbing things, because I put the bricks under some stress, that makes them quite rigid. Yeah, so they're actually really strong. And if your typical Lego set, if you drop it two or three feet, it is just explodes. But yours don't. My not some of them will, but <laughs> most of them. So I need to ask mostly for my listeners, how do you transport these pieces to be hung on? And then how do you hand them to someone who's going to hang that art? What is that process like? What's your transport process? It's, it is not adequate. So <laughs> what I have a bunch of foam core sheets I've got from art supply stores that are like four by four. And I have a, a small SUV. And so I'll just open the, lay down the back seat, put down some foam core, put a design on it, another foam core, another design. And, so, and they're sliding around in the back of the car as I'm driving to where I'm going. So in the long term, like I actually, when I did my Kickstarter project, one of the rewards was I would build you a full scale, like three foot wide design and five or six people took me up on it. And I shipped one to England. I shipped one to the UK. So I figured out how I could package and ship them mostly because they are so stable awesome That's so awesome so i there the future will be that i'll have like wooden cases that i will 
use to to help get them from A to B. But on the local scene, I just wing it. And if they some of them fall apart, I just put it back there when I get there. So. Yeah, that's yeah. How often does that happen? They'll always lose a couple of pieces. A thousand pieces and five one by twos fall off. It's finding where they fell off and sticking them back on. I bet. I bet. I'll, I'll never forget that I my, my first experience we had we built the, the Ecto one and the Ecto one has a really silly design because on one side the door handle is set like a suicide door so it's on the rear of the door and on the other side it's set on the front of the door which doesn't really make much sense but i'm building it on live and and a, a fan comments hey i think your door handle's wrong and without even looking at the instructions to make sure i looked at it and said oh that is wrong because why would lego do that so i I took it all up, not in order, and then tried to find a way to put it all back together the other way and found, that's how I found out that it was completely impossible to put it on. So then I had to reassemble, not in order, not using the instructions. And I learned how hard it is to spot where a piece is missing. It took 45 minutes just looking at one two by one and going, where does this go? Possibly go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I imagine you go through some piece of that. There was this amazing moment where the, the build I did for the Sharjah <laughs> Islamic Art Festival was 10 square meters. It was two meters high and five oh. meters. It was massive. And I walked into the exhibit space and there was one Lego kind of laying on the floor that had fallen off. And <laughs> I'm just standing there with this one brick looking at this <laughs> 75,000 piece monstrosity going, okay, here we go. And of course it's just, it's big and symmetrical, right? It's not like it's, there, there's a whole bunch of those pieces. So I found it eventually. It's you fine. did? Oh, wow. I was going to ask, do, do you ever just go, not today? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I actually, I have a cup of just the random pieces I find. I go, I'll figure that out one day. One day we'll come back. <laughs> That's awesome. What's the future look like for brick bending? Are you looking to make this into a profession? What are you going to sell? Uh, custom art like what's next that's a great question and six months ago i would have said it's clearly more than a hobby and i used to use the term hobby and i don't anymore it's an obsession a passion like this is something that i deeply love and i've always looked at what i've done and i love it clearly that's why i do it i just love it and i've had enough experience over the years to go there are at least a few people out there who also think it's really good. And then, but TikTok just changed my trajectory entirely. All of a sudden it's like, no, it's 500,000 people like mm -hmm. this. Yeah. And I would love to do this full time. It would be an amazing thing, but it's like how, I also have no desire to be a starving artist. I've met enough starving artists. I've been a starving artist. And so how do I find a way that I don't turn it into a job? Yeah. You know, totally. and it, it could still keep that kind of the magic and that spark that's part of it and still make some money at it. And that's part of why I've never just built and sold pieces of art um, because then it's just, I don't want to build the same thing over and over again. So that's why with eyes on the prize, I think that a, an exhibition is really where it's at because yeah. that's a bunch of unique pieces. I think that I can share what I do with thousands and thousands of people who may want to see it. And the other thing is the TikTok has been great, but the TikTok creator fun uh, leaves a little something to be desired. Oh boy. I was watching the Hank Green's stuff on that the other day and I was like, you go Hank, you go. Yeah. That would be amazing if TikTok would just step up to the plate and pay people what they really deserve. Yeah, I from what I've heard is that the money's there and the plan is to increase exponentially in the coming years, but they got 
picked up by some big hedge fund who basically said, we want you to go kill YouTube. And so they're rolling out the next five years, a bunch of stuff that will eventually hopefully put them in the competition with YouTube, but it is in the plan to increase beyond what we get paid, but it's still, you're right. It hurts. It's, and I'm not a, like, I understand that they're a business. And at the end of the day, I don't have any understanding of what they're actually dealing with in terms of like their profit and loss and whatnot. But, but I suspect that there's more money out there than they're, they're currently giving. Sure. Absolutely. And on the YouTube front, like this part of what happened with TikTok is when I suddenly realized like, actually there is an audience and there's a massive audience for this. Mm-hmm. So I've circled back to YouTube and I've been trying to figure out, it's a very different medium and trying to figure out like how I navigate that space. One thing I love about TikTok is the music, right? Mm-hmm. I'm just like, I, I had somebody call me the CEO of music for, for TikToks and I just tickled my heart because that's part of the joy of it. Like I make my video and I have no idea what yeah, I'm going to use. lose a lot when you wind up going over to YouTube. One tool that I've found that really helps me is there's a there's a program, it's, it is paid for, or it is a for-profit program called Epidemic Sound. This isn't a plug for them. We're not sponsored by them. I just use them and they have the closest to to production quality sound and, and songs that you could actually, like I've wound up going through there and going, why isn't this? on the radio like why isn't this so there's a lot of really good music on there and you can pick between what mood you're looking for how long you want it all of that and it's 100 royalty free after you pay for your subscription so check it out it, it may help you but yeah the hard that's one of the hard things for us is when we exploded i knew right away i wanted to migrate some fans over to over to to youtube and it just wound up being so difficult what's your subscriber count on youtube right now it's 2,800, I think. 20, see, it's like less than a fraction of, you know, you're five, 552, 552,000 on. Yeah. And so. I think part of that, and it's part of the magic of TikTok is that the algorithm they have and, and the whole model, it looks for virality. And I got to give them credit for that. It's a pretty amazing process. And YouTube clearly doesn't do that. And I love like the amount of people who hypothesize and postulate about the TikTok algorithm and how to game it. And the same with the YouTube algorithm. But I suspect that YouTube is far more about the long slog. It's just if you're here mm-hmm. producing content all the time, we'll reward you for that. Yeah. So we're so we're actually I'm leaving my job to go full time into this. Congratulations, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. And one of the things that we identified as a need to grow was you have to pretty much do a video a day on YouTube. And it's just such a daunting task for someone who's trying to hold off and work another job or whatever. So yeah, YouTube is a fickle friend, but I have to say I started my YouTube or my passion for Lego, at least wanting to be an influencer or, or a part of the community was watching watching YouTube videos. I didn't come to TikTok and go, wow, this can happen. I came to YouTube and said, huh, I wonder if this could succeed on TikTok. So I know it, it's out there. You have people like Jang Bricks and Imanar Productions who have hundreds and hundreds of thousands of followers on YouTube. Whatever I can do to support you, to help you grow on YouTube, I'd love to, to partner with you on that somehow. Much appreciated, my friend. Of course. So, all right, he, here we go. Here's some questions that that we had people send us. You can pass <laughs> oh, it. Yeah. Let's do it. Your favorite three 
Lego TikTokers. Oh, my favorite three Lego TikTokers. You, obviously. Exclude me. Exclude <laughs> me. Beyond me. There's a ton of great ones out there. And Master Builder Alec. Yes. Right? He's so good. He's so, so good. But he's just so rich. And his content is great. And I actually, he did a video because, of course, like everyone asks you about me. Like, what do you think of Rick Benning? Please tell me you don't like him. And they did the same thing to him. And so he did a video saying, hey, I love Jeff's work. It's great stuff. And here's some of the geometric things I've built. And he just flashed this little green or black thing he had, a little sphere-like thing. And it caught my eye. And I was like, what was that? Yeah. So I went back to the video and I paused it. And I looked at it. I have those bricks. I've had, him in a, I've had him in a cup on my shelf for five years and I've never used them. And so I built what he built and I keep up my shelf and it's his creation. Maybe someday we'll, I'll, we'll do some kind of collab together. But I just sent him a message. I'm like, you're the first person to build something out of crazy geometry where I felt jealous. I'm like, I didn't figure that out. Oh my gosh. That's so, awesome. Yeah, he's, he's awesome. He is awesome. And of course, with all of his great stuff, like his look is so clean. His work's mm -hmm. so good. His YouTube work is really good. Ninjago Babes out there, Easy Craftsman, and, and there's a bunch of great people out there. And that was, really that was part of what was so interesting and amazing when I first found TikTok and then realized there was Lego on TikTok. And then I was part of Lego TikTok. It was finding people like you out there and just going, wow, this is a cool community. That is of, awesome. Of people who clearly love these crazy little plastic bricks. So let me ask you this. Was there a video or something that you saw? What creator inspired you to become to I'm going to I'm going to do this. I, I want to try. Oh, gosh. I mean, there's a bunch of them. And I, part of it is it, I watch videos and I like and appreciate these people, but I don't actually know their real name per se, because all I see is their videos. And then their their at handles are, are all social all over the place. And so I'm going to totally screw it up. But I think it's Jay. Jason Alleman? No, I'm going to say that wrong. He does. He did the climbing fireman recently. And yeah, yeah. apologies out there if you listen to this guy. Like no. his work is so awesome. It's so clever yeah. and it's so mechanical. And like I've seen a bunch of his stuff over the years. And I just went, oh, I would love to do that. And on YouTube cool. as well, like seeing these things on YouTube going, that's I could yeah. totally myself doing that. So that's neat. Okay. Do you ever build sets or do you only stick with your art? I have not purchased a set and built it in forever. Yeah. I am. I am almost exclusively non-set. Like I get at the Lego store when I buy a lot of a pick a brick, they'll give me yeah. something free. And so I build yeah. things with friends and friends, kids. But I think one thing that does make me very different than most Lego aficionados out there is that when I see bricks, I don't want to make them look like something else. My my inclination isn't to make it look like a house or a car or represent something. I want to create abstract geometry out of it. And I can't tell you why that's the case. That's just how my brain is wired. And so wow. that get my joy. And that's why it's just like finding bricks. And I just love the bricks for what they are, as love opposed that. to trying to make them into something else. Love, that's incredible. Okay, so that was all the, the fan questions that we had. Now I've got my cards. We did this with Moto on the last episode and it turned out really fun. So let's go. Uh, these are going to be non Lego related questions that are geared towards getting to know you better. They are deep and shallow. If you feel uncomfortable, just give me a hard pass. Okay. Going from the middle of the deck, we got, Ooh, love this question. If you can instantly become one, what would you want to be an expert in? Oh gosh. I could instantly become an expert in something. 
quantum physics. Ooh, nice. Only because it's absolutely, it's insane. I've always been an armchair science person for years and I do my best and I've got a math background and that stuff is so crazy town that it, it doesn't matter. I think it was Feynman who said, if you think you understand quantum physics, you don't know quantum physics. So that would be it. it it's hard. Quantum physics is a real difficult thing. My uncle teaches quantum physics uh, at Cornell. Oh, and, yes. But it's hard because I will, I will try to grapple with very rudimentary quantum physics uh, concepts. And it will give me the worst existential crisis I've ever had. I will sit in bed with my wife and just, nothing's real. Like a dual slit experiment. It's a wave and a particle at the same time. Ah. So I, I think my answer would probably be, I would like to be, do you know props to history on TikTok? I don't, but I will see. Amazing soon. channel, amazing channel. He just focused on props from movies and talks about their historical background and what they were made out of all. That fascinates me beyond almost anything else. And so I think I would want to get, I would want to become an expert in like movie props, movie history, that type of stuff. That would be pretty cool. All right, next question. Ooh, this is good. You haven't gotten any of the like really deep ones. What are you most excited about right now? Oh, what am I most excited about right now? The possibility of an actual touring exhibition. So I'm in a couple of conversations and one of them's near term, one of them's a little farther down the road, but that is just like when I talk about like playing with Lego and experimenting and finding that little spark, that little bit of magic, I look at that and that I have the exact same experience. I'm like, I want to, to put together the largest, craziest, most amazing set of geometric Lego art creations I can possibly create and see that traveling the world. That would just be pure joy. Oh, that's awesome. It's funny. I honestly, I think my most excited thing that I'm most excited for right now is sitting down and talking with you on the podcast. Okay. What is your most treasured possession and why? Oh, that's a really good question. I can't say, I think answers, typical answers we've gotten in the past have been like wedding ring or make it something juicy. Make it something that's not tied to your wife. You I know? was going to say like my wife and kids can't be counted in that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my most treasured possession. That's a really good question. Oh, how about you answer it first? Give me a chance to think about it for a minute. What's your most treasured possession? Okay, so yeah, I actually have one that's very interesting, very odd. My dad and my stepmother, they go to Uganda and all these other places with Doctors Without Borders. My dad is a longtime fire chief. He's been a paramedic for over 30 years now. And he brought me back. I'm also a very spiritual person. And it's something that he and I have never really connected on. And so he brought me back this pipe. I don't smoke. I've never smoked, but he brought me back a pipe. And on the front of it is very, you can tell it's got like puka shells for the eyes and the nose is pinched together, but it's like a clay face. And the pipe itself is made of a very specific type of dirt. And it's got a, a root that comes out that's been hollowed for the inhalation, whatever. And what he said is that the pipe was, he was talking about me. And one of the people there gave him this pipe because they said that it had been down for a long time and they had not ever they didn't have in america we have pictures of like jesus and stuff they never had seen any of that and so they created this face of jesus on this pipe and of course it's the beautiful thing about it is it's an ethiopian face and he said when people were passing 
or on on their way out. They would light this pipe and they would smoke and, and basically inhale the grace of Christ. And I just, I'm almost teary-eyed right now. Like the fact that my dad who is not, is not religious would get that to me because he was talking about me in that manner. Whoa, man, it was so cool. So I have that, it came with a warning. They were like, never inhale from this pipe because the type of dirt they use is like super noxious to people who haven't been around it the entire life. So it just sits in my closet, but it's an amazing thing. It is hands down my my most deepest love possession. Oh, that's awesome. I, I think that's like part of that, right? Is that it's it has a meaning to you that is beyond just the object itself. And I have probably four or five pieces of art that were created by, whether they were artists at the festival that I attended that were given to me as gifts, or uh, my dad has discovered his passion for art in retirement. And so I have a couple of paintings from him and a couple of good friends who've made us some beautiful pieces of art. If the house was on fire, like those would be the things that I'd run for because I could build all the Lego again and, and yeah. all the other things, but those things are utterly irreplaceable. So I think that's, that's a really interesting, great question because it's funny that it does come back to more art. Yeah, exactly. I love that. I think that's a beautiful answer. Okay, last one. Here we go. I'm going to go from the middle of the deck because because I want to make sure we get a juicy one here. Ooh, oh, this is fun. I like this one. This is one I've never seen. I've seen a lot of these questions and I've never got this. Which band, dead or alive, would you want to play at your funeral and why? Oh gosh, that's a <laughs> tricky one because it's the funeral. Exactly. Very different if maybe you could play with them. Oh, it, it changes over time. Sure. And the other thing is the music that I like. My, my kids used to call it daddy's dying music because Very appropriate I, then. I have this for like minimalism. Philip Glass was one of my big, if I had to pick one, it would just be Philip Glass because there was a 10 year stretch of my life where that's all I listened to. Wow. I don't, you don't know Philip Glass, like some of it is almost unlistenable. It is so out there. And then other parts of it are absolutely beautiful. But right now, if it were today, there's an artist called Nils Fromm, who's, I believe he's I'm German. Saying, one more time. Nils Fromm, N-I-L-S-F-R-A-H-M. And if you go find him on Spotify, I listen to him for a little bit, and you'll get a terrifying peek at the inside of my brain. It's just, it's incredibly <laughs> repetitive and yeah. meditative. And a lot of people, especially my kids, when they were young, they were just like, why do you listen to this? This is crazy. And I'm awesome. like, I don't know. I just, it just fills my heart with joy. So I would have Nils play at my funeral and everyone there would just be like, I don't think we can sit through this because <laughs> it's not for everyone. They're appetizers. <laughs> I think it should be for everyone. And I think he's an amazing artist, but I would prefer to have Nils just play at something I could attend. So the funeral, yeah. I don't know. I, I have one artist like that who's, I love them so much much that I go and show people them and everyone who I've shown has been like, okay. And it's a guy named Cosmo Sheldrake. And he mm. does a lot of, he does a lot of cosmic style music, but his instruments are sound effects. So he will 
slap the mud and use that as, and put that on repeat. And he will break glass and he will, and then he finds ways of turning things into instruments that aren't instruments. So he'll take like a glass pipe and cut a piece out and then put a string on it and just play the, play through the pipe with the string. Like he is, he's one of the most creative and incredible artists. And it's funny cause I found him. He had a, a song called Come Along that was in an advert for Jeep, for a Jeep Wrangler. And I heard it and I was like, what? is that song and i went and i used my that that app that you can listen to music and it'll tell you what it is so i used that and it's it gave me this artist and i love him to death i think I if i was to have one play at my funeral though i'm a lot nicer to the people who i love it. i would go with the eagles the, the eagles i have an eagles tattoo i'm a diehard eagles fan oh so i'll amend my answer to for everyone else there <laughs> for me but i wouldn't be there it would be Ray Charles. Oh, yes. So. We have a follower named Louis. He's, a, he's one of my lead moderators and he loves Ray Charles. Loves yeah, Ray Charles. I just used Ray Charles for my latest TikTok yesterday. <laughs> I had him playing at my wedding with my wife and I. And oh, talk about his instrumental work. I mean, his songs are nice when he's singing, but his hands, he's got liquid fingers. He does. He's a favorite Ray Charles song. Go. Oh, I think it's called 16 Bars, Sweet 16. 16 the bars. whole He has a whole instrumental al album that I don't know what the names of them are because I just listened to it a yeah. hundred thousand times. Anything that's, that's awesome. Ray Charles doing instrumental. Just along that same, kind of along that same vein. What music do you listen to while you're creating? Or is it a silent process? No, that's it. Nils Fromm is a, a big one. I have, there's a bunch in the, in the mix. And I'm going to say their names wrong because there's a lot of <laughs> European artists. So um, yeah. There's another guy named Olafur Arnolds. And I mean, basically if I pick one of those players on Spotify and then it just goes into a, a playlist, yeah. it's very meditative. And it's part of what was amazing about the festival in the UAE that I attended was meeting all of these other people who, who all these are artists who operate like I do. Yeah. Right? Like, I think that one thing about building your typical Lego set, right? The Coliseum is that every click is different than the next one. It's all these different pieces in all these different ways versus most of what I do is incredibly repetitive. And so I'm not building the repetitive thing because I enjoy repetitively clicking things together. I'm actually after something. And so I met artists who would hand draw just these geometric designs and they'd have 60,000 hand-drawn pen lines. And if you think about a hand-drawn pen line with a ruler, one mistake and you've screwed up hundreds of hours of work and that terrifies me because i make a mistake i just click the brick off put a new one back on it's all exactly good. Yeah. yeah and for them it was like what i do times a hundred like for them it's, i don't sit down and draw these lines unless i am in a meditative place where i'm not gonna screw this up and i loved that i absolutely loved the fact that there were all of these people who for them, repeating something over and over again is not this dull, boring yeah. process. It's a meditation. You and people. Yes. And we one of my my friends I met there, Liliana, she called us the pattern family. Oh, I love that. People who just love patterns. And I, I love that very much too. I was like, finally. Somebody uh, gets it. <laughs> we're crazy in the same way. 
That's amazing. That is really amazing. Jeff, so as we wind down here, is there anything that you want to plug right now? Oh, find my YouTube channel. Is it just brick bending on YouTube? Uh, You could find brick bending on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and I've popped it around a few other places toying with some other spots, but definitely find my YouTube channel. I'd appreciate a follow there and TikTok as well. Like I don't want to poo poo TikTok. Like I appreciate what it is and what it's done for me. And and the Lego that I have purchased with my money from the TikTok creator fund, I'm not going to poo poo that, but yeah, just go follow Jeff on all of his social media platforms. We'll have them linked down in the show notes below. But right now, Jeff, I just want to say thank you so much for coming onto the podcast, hanging out with us today. It has been an absolute blast. Thank you so much for being here and play well. Hey, thank you very much. And, and I know for you, you're probably seeing my face for the first time, but I've seen you on TikTok forever. So this is like talking to a celebrity. I'm like, am I just watching a video? No, this can't. I'm not really talking. Oh, that's so cool. Thank you so much, my friend. That's it's funny because just like you, I've only been on TikTok since January. So this is all such a weird, weird thing. So I appreciate that. I'm I'm humbled by you, my friend. I, I look forward to to speaking with you again. And I want you to know that this is a platform for you. So when you go on tour. Let's get another episode. Let's get people out to those shows. Come back. Anytime you have something exciting to share, just send me a message and I'd love to have you on. Much appreciated, my friend. Thanks for having me. Guys, Jeff is just a world-class sweetheart. Go and follow him on BrickBending on TikTok. You can find all of his social media channels down in the show notes. One last time, I want to say thank you, Jeff. You are incredible, sir. That's it for today's show, fam. I love you guys so much. If you're dealing with depression or anxiety i just want to shout this out to you sometimes it can be hard we can feel alone but when you're here you are part of a family of over 589,000 people who have your back you are not alone and if you feel like it do not quit five minutes before the miracle happens if you just stumbled onto some random lego podcast and now you're hearing this then i want you to take it as a sign don't give up Do not quit five minutes before the miracle happens. I love you all. I cannot wait to connect with you guys again next week. Go check us out on TikTok. Make sure that you're following us there because every follow equals one entry into our $800 UCS Millennium Falcon giveaway. We are giving away one UCS Millennium Falcon brand new inbox to one lucky TikTok. We're also giving away one brand new Stranger Things set to one random YouTube subscriber. And we're giving away the Moss Eisley Cantina to one random Twitch streamer. So go ahead and follow us on YouTube, on Twitch, and on TikTok to get the most of these giveaways. And until next week, I love you guys. Play well.